previously on Dungeons and Dialectics. <laughs> when I say like Stoicism, Epicureanism, and so on, you think like, oh, that's a philosophical school, right? What next you're gonna be like, oh, like none of those people really believe Charles Manson. He would point at like a plush alien doll I have in the corner of the room. He's like, see, you believe in aliens. <laughs> So, so you're right, though, that there is this, you know, this interest in, in cultivating this aesthetic of the philosophers and Christianity, like people say primitive Christianity uh, to refer to like very early Christianity. Primeval. I don't like saying that because I think it's like primitive. Like, what are we? It's normative. It's a norm. It's a normally it's a, like a thick term, you know. Also, it creates the illusion that like people will be like oh we got to go back to the earliest stratum of christianity and it's like can we isolate the earliest stratum of christianity from like what was just a certain period of judaism you know what i mean it would be like i don't know it seems like it's a it's a fraught endeavor to say the least well and that's the thing is that like even early christians are having these conversations of like because they thought they were jews right they were like oh well of course we're of course we're still jews we're just also christians but if we're Christians, do we have to, if we're under the new covenant as Jews who are Christians, do we have to like cut off our foreskins? I think that was the big mistake and, with Christianity. Yeah. Is what to stop cutting off foreskins? Absolutely. We got to bring that back. And so there's definitely this interest in cultivating this, this aesthetic of philosophy. Yeah. But early Christianity ends up having, this is going to be really reductive, mm. but having sort of two strains, Ooh. right? So there's popular religion, which is. You know, like you're our everyday person who is not particularly wealthy or doesn't have uh, an extensive formal education, but that they get really into Christianity and <laughs> they get really into it. They get really. These are the ones that are like sleeping out in the cemeteries and what? like screaming and <laughs> running around. <laughs> and these are the guys who are calling the local library trying to get all the LGBTQ literature banned. Yeah. Well, no, because no, because everything was like <laughs> was like super bisexual back then. That's true. They thought the world was about to end. They were bisexual and they're screaming in graveyards. It's cool. It was a cool time. The detractors of Christianity will say like, "Oh, they were all like having orgies out in the graveyards and cemeteries." Hell yeah. And like they they're saying it to be like mean to make it sound like because you know it's like oh you associate sexual deviance with the people you don't like. But I think that's badass. Like, dude, that's so cool. Christian orgies in the cemetery on, like, the saints' grave sites. Did they do that? Is that real? Well, that's what I'm saying is it's from the detractors, so you don't, like, really know if they did it. But they definitely hung out in but the But I choose yards. to believe. Yeah. And so you have that, to believe. that group of, of Christians. And then you have the other Christians that, like, mostly... Um, mostly Greeks and Romans that they they were like more wealthy and they were the ones who sort of transitioned from being like wealthy aristocrats in Rome or under the Roman Empire to just being like oh wealthy bishops and other religious leaders as Rome became Christianized and so those are the folks that are chasing these different fads of like new philosophical thought and they chase christianity as if it's just one of these like newfangled ways of thinking well you kind of get that vibe if you read like the apologies of augustine you know what i mean mm -hmm. um he's this like depressed freak 
Augustine, who's like yeah. always flitting about the newest fads, whether it's Manichaeism or academic skepticism or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, when he wasn't when he wasn't having uh, children out of wedlock, he he was just depressed all the time. <laughs> That's honestly, it's. <laughs> Have you read this book? Which book? Confessions? The the Confessions. Did I say the Apologies? I meant the Confessions. Anyway, um, it's just, and he's like, I, 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 I don't think that highly of Augustine. I must admit, I don't like him at all. I, you know, I don't like him, but I just read a, a book. I think it was the book on, like, uh, um, queer queer god de amor or queer god of love in which the author favorably cited Augustine and it made me really happy. Yeah, you know, I know like John Caputo, for example, also is like one of these postmodern theologians and he likes Augustine. I just can't buy into the idea that he would be anything other than like a cruel like bigot if he were alive today. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think you're probably right. But um, the point is like you get the vibe when you read the confessions that like his mother, Saint Monica, was was a Christian too, so it's not as though he just was out of nowhere. But like, you do get the the impression that like he was not able to be satisfied with like all these various intellectual factions, and he just kept searching till he found the one that like fit his personality, and then he was good to go. Yeah, yeah, personality of being like an asshole. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I just don't a get why people joy. like this guy. He's a he's a fucking asshole. You know. Yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So he's no, he was, let me tell you, this guy was not having sex in graveyards. <laughs> exactly. What a loser. So, so that's, that's what people are, are doing with Christianity very early. Why do we start talking about, oh, because how does Christianity. What Christ- the fuck are we doing? <laughs> What's this episode about? <laughs> so Christianity assumes like some of these, uh, these aspects of, of philosophy. Now, the other thing that, um, that Brent Nongi Nongbri talks about in his book and this is relevant to like the Christian debate over oh are we still Jews how different are we from these other philosophical traditions like what makes us special or religion or where do we define this is that as Islam becomes a much more prominent um, movement in the region and as you know as the, the crusades are in full swing and people are like talking about oh, like oh there's islam and there's a lot of conflict around it conflict in some places harmony in other places but one of the major debates is is islam heresy or is it is it a christian heresy or is it like something else and they're like what even is this other thing because they don't have religion as a category in that sense so they don't have terms for, oh, well, Islam is, it's just another religion. and the, like, Right, they couldn't say, oh, this is a new religious movement based on certain shared cultural modes. Or they have to be like, oh, it's Christian heresy, or like, oh, it's like a demon told me to do it, or, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And like, in some ways it makes sense because it's, you know, where do you draw the line of like what a religion is? You know, because it, Islam is, it's still an Abrahamic religion. Everything yeah. that, you know, Christians say is sacred, uh, Muslims say is sacred, everything that yeah, Jews say is sacred. Like Jesus is in the, <clears throat> Jesus and Mary are both in the Quran, exactly. Jesus is a prophet in the Quran, all that stuff. And so they, there's a shared, like, tradition and shared values. And this is a side note, Matt. 
when sometimes people will be like, oh, our religions, like, believe basically the same thing. They're like, Amen, brother. Look, they're yeah. like, look at what it says in Judaism and Islam and Christianity. It and, says, do be a good boy. And I'm, and I'm like, of course they say the same things. They're all Abrahamic religions. They come from the same tradition. Um, and they're different. They have fundamental important differences. But, but saying, oh, look, they have this one similar thing is not, is not particularly strange. Because it comes I mean, from not the same only, tradition. Not only is it not strange, I mean, it's also like you can't take an individual passage that says like yeah. some version of the golden rule or whatever and then say, here's the content of what that means. Exactly. You have to look at those kinds of things within the whole system. And I mean, yeah, dispositionally, there's going to be roughly equivalent behavior or whatever. But yeah. the point is like you, you can't I don't even think you can say that they're all saying like the same thing on in, yeah. in that one line because the meaning of like what it would mean to say something like, you know, do unto others what they would what you want them to do to you or whatever has to be cashed out by looking at like the context that that's set in plus other stuff. So it's like, exactly. I don't even know if I'd want to say they necessarily agree, even if they have like superficially say similar things. Exactly. But that's like one of the things is I'm like, you're not really comparing that many things, or maybe you'll find something in Hinduism and Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism that's similar as well. But at the end of the day, you're still only comparing like Abrahamic traditions and Dharmic traditions that like the fact that these two kind of like bodies of religious um, identities, religions, like faith traditions, the fact that they have similar values or that you can cherry pick like one verse that has a similar meaning or appears to at, at first blush, that's not necessarily particularly profound, you know, or surprising. So... I, I was going to say earlier, before I forget, I remember I once read um, some it was some article or something about like early Christian responses to Islam, and it was some saint whose name is escaping me right now, but <laughs> the saint said something like, "Well, you know, they report all these like mystical visions of like the angel Gabriel and all these things, yeah, because you know, Muhammad supposedly you know like had prophetic visions of the angel Gabriel, I think. Anyway." The Christian, this Christian like person said something like, well, uh, you know, he was just epileptic and uh, it was like a hallucinations. It's not like our religious, you know, sites, which are real. Yeah, which <laughs> exactly that it's like this had such a double, double standard, but you know, that like the lack, lack of proof is fine for me. And like the thing that right, I happen well, to believe, we but, don't need proof when we're right. Oh, good point. I forgot about that. Put it that way. That little caveat. We have faith, baby. We've got to live on faith alone. Gotta have faith, faith, faith. And so you have you have these two extremes of the way that people see religion. There's the sacred matters, Gary Latermans of the world that are like, everything is religious. Like we all engage with these things in, in religious ways. And the question is not whether a thing is religious. The question is, how am I am I engaging with this in a way that is religious and that like helps me establish or bring meaning and order and wrestle with these questions of of significance and transcendence and then you have the the brent yongis of the world that say that say religion is an imperialist category that was imposed by um by protestant christians who wanted to categorize everything so they took like these really diverse and nuanced and kind of mishmashy fluid traditions in South Asia, for example, 
and they said, oh, well, this is the border of Hinduism, and this is the border of Buddhism, and this is the border, like, they categorized it neatly into boxes that doesn't necessarily reflect even the lived experience of Protestant Christians at the time. And, and then you have, like, other scholars that are somewhere in the middle. So you want me to settle it? Is that what we're here to do? I think, well, I think that now would be a good time to, uh, to get <laughs> to answer the question. <laughs> takeaways and answer the question. And then for the next episode, we can, we can jump in with, there's another theorist who I think has a much more kind of like balanced approach to this and is a bit more in the middle ground and can help us understand the ways that we might play with other, um, other religions in the game. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we're going to have to see what the other guy says, but, like, off the cuff, I kind of want to appeal to both of the positions, which is maybe, like, cheating, but <laughs> it does seem to me right to say that, like, yeah, on the one hand, we have this very definite concept of religion, as exemplified mm-hmm. by the professor whom you didn't like, that's like, yeah, this, this, and this. <laughs> yeah. And that when you when we have that like limited sight, we lose track of the way that a lot of practices have this sort of like existential ritual quality that we're not necessarily always conscious of. So in that sense, everything's a religion helps us to see that there's this sort of like existential uh, facet of what we're up to. That isn't necessarily like Mm -hmm. quote unquote rational with a capital R, but is about like finding a way to uh, achieve a certain kind of um, comportment to life that we can handle life's problems. Okay. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, uh, it does seem right to say that much of the way that we do carve up this situation is uh, contingent on the interests of a much more recent history than we would otherwise be aware of, as exemplified by the Greek philosophy versus South Asian philosophy example, where Greek philosophical schools are just called philosophical without you know question. We don't say, oh, that's a religion, whereas the Indian philosophical schools or South Asian are treated as religions. So without question, I think without question, right. It's just obvious quote unquote. So I think that drawing attention to that fact shows the way that our categories are sort of historically contingent. So I think they both have something to be said for increasing our like analytical uh, attunement to the situation at hand. I, you know, I love that kind of answer, Matt, because it's such like, I, I'm so on the, it's so big brained. Well, it's like you've said nothing. Like you haven't, you haven't helped, you haven't helped like get us closer to any kind of like real answer. But I totally re-listen agree. to what we've talked about for the last hour, and maybe you'll uh, come to see things my way. Yeah. Well, I, I just like I'm so the same way that I'm like I'm really not wedded to any particular way of seeing the world in most in like about any anything. sense of the world, really. <laughs> <laughs> And so I like just picking up different theories and I'm like, yeah, well, this theory is very useful for understanding things in this way. And this theory is very useful for understanding things in that way. And they all make me think. And I just like to think and not have any answers. There you go, baby. I That's, also, now, that, now we're doing philosophy. <laughs> I just want to, I do want to, I do want to bring it to the, back to the game though, because, yeah. you know, as you mentioned, the worst professor in the history of the world said oh that. God religion means that you have a god and dungeons and dragons really does promote the same the same way of like viewing the world which as we argued right. previously is is probably because of the christian tradition and worldview in which the creators um were kind of like marinating for their whole you lives know, but the 5e the... cleric 
the sorry. Uh, just finish this one quickly. Wow, fuck says, you, Joey. As as you create a cleric, the most important question to consider is which deity to serve. Like the thought that you could one be a Christian and an atheist, or two be religious and not have a god is totally not even considered yeah like even you know it's okay could you be an atheist and a cleric like could you be a buddhist and a cleric on this view i mean you could be a mahayana buddhist and like be worshiping uh one of the bodhisattvas or something or like mm-hmm. amita buddha but like if you're like a you know theravadan buddhist yeah maybe you could say the buddha but the buddha is just a guy who became enlightened yeah right so it's very it's a very euro kind of centric and it's it's i think it's a christian bias. i think it's a protestant christian bias that it's you know their idea of religion is anything that sufficiently resembles protestant christianity except instead of then doing the step that brent nongi takes to say oh so none of these are really religions they're saying and that's why everything that every religion looks a whole lot like protestant christianity yeah or like devil worship they got it all right so how do you think that we could use some of this reflection in the game if we can't have like answers to our big questions maybe we can at least get some good gaming out of it yeah i actually was going to say that in a way the way that 5e has expanded a different class provides a sort of model for maybe how we'd start thinking outside the box on this although there's maybe an asterisk there because we'd have to think it through but like warlocks used to be uh, yeah. such that you had to be indexed to like a demon or a, I think it's a demon, right? Did it have to be a demon or a devil or it's either? It's supposed to I be something remember. like kind of dark and sort of evil, but it's not yeah, but, as explicit in 3.5 where the warlock is, is created. Right. So in 5e, though, it's got stuff like you can have a Lovecraftian entity. You can have a genie, I think. You can have fairies. Yeah. So it's like expanding the scope quite dramatically mm-hmm. um, for role-playing purposes, but like that scope's expansion is 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 getting kind of to the outer reaches of like being who's powerful right like a fairy okay well fairies are like associated with certain natural patterns so maybe if you have like oh well i'm a servant of this like fair folk member of the forest glade well like indirectly you're actually committed to nature or something or if it's like a genie you know who knows what the story would be there or like a lovecraftian uh-huh. entity that's basically just saying i'm like tentacles you know which doesn't mean anything um so it seems like that's branching out to the sort of broader conceptuality and so then you could think okay well if we have a more expansive concept of religion you could do something similar with the cleric where it's like okay look maybe i'm not committed to a deity per se maybe i'm committed to um like an existential ideal or you know something something like that i mean that's that's a really kind of like in your face obvious one yeah because that's like the sort of new atheist response to christianity he's like i don't need to believe in god i can believe in like humanism so maybe there's other answers than that but the point is there is the the trajectory i'm detecting in the way that the warlock is expanding could actually it seems be applied to the cleric too yeah so there there's some there's some ways that i really i really like what you're saying um one thing because you're talking about fairies specifically and um one of the issues with applying the same category of religion when we think oh religion means you believe in god and god has to look like a protestant christian god is that we have this tendency to erase or kind of like homogenize all these different categories that other traditions have 
that don't look like our God. And, and then we say, oh, well, that's a God. And so fairies, fairies to me are, are a good example because in like, in like Celtic traditions, there's, you know, there are these beings of like varying degrees of power, but are any of them really like on the same level as, as the Protestant God? And I don't say that as like a Protestant now looking back at my like pagan ancestors. Could any of these beat like, my God like, in a fight? Oh my God, could beat your God. No, because I think that, I think there's some value in like recognizing that like your God doesn't have to be like this one and only all powerful, flawless individual. And like you can have some kind of relationship with, you know, other like, you know, I keep saying the word gods or deities or fae or arch fae or fairies or what, what have you spirits that's very different than the relationship a Protestant Christian might have with their God. In the Greek tradition, we talked about the Greeks a lot during this, this episode. You know, you have Theoi, which are gods. It's where theology comes from, Theos, God. But you also have Titans, which are they more powerful than the gods? Like they came before them and there was like a battle. And then you have the Gigantes or the Giants. You also have Daimones, or daemons, which is where demon comes from, that like Cupid, Eros, Eros is a daemon. So like, is Eros a god? No, well, it's a daemon. In the Mesopotamian tradition, you have the Anunnaki and the Inanna. And like, well, which one of those is, is like actually a god? Like one is more powerful and one's less powerful. But how do you even translate that into English when we when all we have is god and everything else has been like polluted like you can't say demon or daemon and mean um like a like an intermediary spirit intermediate spirit between the gods and humans because that term has been so polluted by the christian tradition that oh well demon means like scary evil gonna possess you shit a boogaboo a boogaboo as they say you know um in one of Bart Ehrman's books, he talks about the, like, continua of the divine, right? And how in, like, cultures that were, like, right, like, Hellenistic, let's say, or Hellenized cultures, there were these sort of, like, scales of divinity where it's like, yeah, there's humans, and then there are animals, which are probably inferior to humans, but then, you know, above humans are these spirits, and then there are, like, all these grades, right? Up to, like, the highest gods. And I think that he tries to argue in that book that, like, the transition to seeing Jesus as being, like, a god in the sense of being equivalent with God the Father in some way was, like, a sort of cultural erasure of these middle categories where it was, like, okay, initially people saw Jesus when they would say, like, he was, like, some kind of, like, being who ascended from being a human to entering this divine scale, so he was, like, no longer merely human. He had somehow surpassed that level mm -hmm. or something. I don't remember all the details. The point is, um, we've sort of slowly lost that. Even in, like, earlier medieval periods, there were, like, orders of angels where you'd be like, okay, well, there's the highest, there's God. Yeah. But then there are, like, powerful angels, like, I forget all their names, they have all these names, like yeah. principalities and powers and all this shit. Yeah. And it works its way down. But we don't even, like, nobody even would ever, like, Protestants especially, remember, we're talking about kind of Protestant Christian view yeah. of religion, like, Protestants don't talk about those. Probably yeah. modern Catholics don't either, but still yeah. it's the same point. 
Exactly. Everything, every intermediate religious category is now kind of erased. Yeah, exactly. So, the, um, I think one of the big ways that I think it would be cool. Oh, so sorry, you, you mentioned the warlock. The only issue I take with what you're describing is like the warlock is also very explicitly like, oh, you have to make a deal with your patron who then like provides you powers like it's still the ideas that it's a being so i think you you have to make there's an exchange yeah i think you would have to make the same leap with the warlock as with the cleric and i think you could do that that's fine that you um that you say oh well instead of worshiping a god much like gary laterman suggests i worship kim kardashian or i worship oh hell yeah as a warlock um well demonic yeah, ass a, powers or as a or as a cleric because i i think that at the point you're saying like you're making this jump you could just say it about either one yeah i mean interestingly there what would the difference be between warlocks and clerics if it started collapsing in that way so i would if i would if i had to say what i think the difference between a uh warlock and a cleric is i think a warlock has a transactional relationship with their patron and a cleric has a gracious relationship with their with their with their god gracious in Uh the sense of it's based on grace like they receive their powers not because they earned their powers or because they're like the most devout necessarily but that it's an act of grace that they receive their powers and that's whereas with the warlock they have to make like a bargain or an agreement or some actual pact with their their patron okay i mean that's a that's a good differentiating but you could play i i think it would be cool to play a a cleric that's like oh well i i worship <laughs> i worship the military industrialist complex yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah. that's why i have all like, this sick all these yeah. sick weapons <laughs> i'm a war priest that that worships i worship i just worship war or i like worship sports um, Fuck yeah! Or I worship science, or I worship sexuality, or I worship medicine. You know, we talked a few episodes back about like what would what would sin in like the medicine, the medical field be, or the way that that medical professionals wield pastoral power over us. And so I think that like medicine as a as a god would make perfect sense. I agree. Well, so what's the big number one takeaway we want our listeners to have? That's the number one takeaway, I think. That medicine could be a great god? Okay, there it is. No, that you could just worship everything. You could worship anything. You can worship anything. I agree. Yeah. And the next time, we'll we'll talk about another theorist and what I actually think about religion. And then we'll... And I think next time we'll dive a bit more into how well Dungeons & Dragons is a game represents other religions that don't have gods that's a little teaser all right we'll we'll, uh we'll see we'll see you next time then we'll see you next time on dungeons and dialectics yeah we have to do our ending when i say i'm matt and i'm joe and now you know okay there it is sweet that's a wrap baby that's a wrap